So glad you are here with us today, believing that God is going to speak to you. I hope that you came with some expectancy for God to make some life change, to speak to you, to make a difference today. And thank you for making the effort to come out. Uh, as we've been doing in our Apostles' Creed series, this is week four, we've been going through that and saying that together as a congregation just to solidify that in our hearts through this series. So if you wouldn't mind, if you would stand with me, we're going to begin going through the creed. And I, I, was, uh, I wanted to do the creed today in a rap version with us, but it, it just wasn't going to work out. So we'll just do it the way we've been doing the last couple weeks. All right, let's begin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You can have your seats. Well, I wanted to start this morning's message off with an illustrative activity to help us just get us in the mindset and help us to start thinking as we move into the message. And it's kind of a game show style. And I, uh, I pre-picked out somebody to help us, volunteered them actually, to help us out. And so they know they're going to help out, but they don't know what they're doing. So let's cue that game show music. And Arturo, come on down. Yeah. Wow, you got some, you got some good claps there. Yeah, Arturo hails from Liberal, Kansas. Yeah. Liberal. Recently graduated WSU yeah. on the worship team. Yeah. And I believe is currently still single. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, Arturo, here's what, here's what we're doing. You're going to see some images on the screen, a picture. Now, here's what's going to happen. This picture you're going to see is a crucial key component to an item. So you're going to see one picture, it's, it's a part of an item, and the point is that it's a crucial key part of that. Without it, it doesn't make it work or make the item function or operate correctly. So your goal is to try to identify what this part might be, and then see if you can guess what the item might be. Okay. If you get it wrong, that's fine. If you get it right, that's fine. It okay. doesn't matter. We're just having some fun. So, and congregation, you can be looking at these pictures and try to figure out and talk amongst yourselves what you think it is. All right, so here, here's a, this is going to be a trial uh, it's going to be a practice. All right. So who, what, what do you see here? Key crucial component to an item. Who do you think this, what do you think this is? Who is this guy? Pa Patrick Mahomes. And without Patrick Mahomes, the key, what, so next picture. So, like, is the Chiefs even a football team without Patrick Mahomes? Okay, key, okay, nobody, nobody liked that one. I'm sorry. I'm from Illinois, okay, just trying to. Bring it in here. All right. Okay. Here we go. Here we're going to begin. Here's your first image. Okay. Let's take a look. Okay. Next slide. Hmm. What do you think? It's, it's if you get it wrong, it's okay. All right. We'll give you a couple more seconds. Take your best guess. So I'm supposed to guess the. Yeah. What, what you think this piece is 
that goes to the item itself. All right, guess somebody got, somebody know? Anybody know? Phil, ne- next slide. Yes, Phil, before your Check. time, I know. One, two. Check, okay, all right. Yeah, I, before my time, yeah. I thought you were going to get that one. Okay, all right, we'll go to the next one. All right. Okay. Ooh, ooh. I don't know what it's called, ooh. but I've seen this before. I know what it is. What do you, uh, what do you think uh, that is? Oh, color, color disc, right? It's not a square Frisbee. It's a color disc, right? It's a what? Color disc? Colored, I don't well, even know. Colored or, is cool. or, uh, Close, close. You got well, the second word I'm right. Getting, I'm what getting is it? There. What's that first word? What? Floppy disk. Floppy disk. Floppy disk. To, uh, to a computer. Disc. That's how they did back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Floppy All right. Disc. Next one. What we got okay. next? Oh. Oh. Whoa. Um, coat rack. Um, coat? <laughs> Those are some small coats. Yeah. Um, Those are like for dang, hobbits. I, I don't. Oh, oh, CD uh, rack. Yeah. See, you used to have a disc, yeah. and you had to put it in the case, yeah. and then take it out, and then insert the compact yeah. disc. Yeah. All right, yeah, what we got next? That was, that, was, that was difficult. Might get a little more difficult. Ooh. 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 Whoa. Uh, you missed that? <laughs> this is a device that captures audio oh, just... that you want someone else to hear at a later time because they weren't available currently to hear it. Oh, it's like some kind of, uh, well, it's not a recorder, but it's well, some kind of, uh, like, a, not cassette. Um, you're getting there, you're getting there. I'm, um, Machi- machine I'm, of, uh, answering, answering machine. Answering machine, machine, machine for voicemail. Yeah, you got it, you got it. All right, all right, yeah. So for phone oh, call, you used to have to call. Okay. Oh, hey, yeah, not here. Had a baby, it's a boy. Okay. Yeah. All right, my, next. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, that's you used to roll down the window. Um, close, uh, close. Uh, okay, wait, it has that? to do with the vehicle, and you have to you have to roll it, but a different part, not you, the window. Not the window. So not the window. More part. in the front. More in more the under front. the hood. Under the under the hood. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Next picture. Under the hood. You had to you had to oh. crank it to get the car going. Who remembers that? I. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we got a couple takers. Yeah? <laughs> All right. I think we got one more. We got one more. Okay. Ooh. I've seen that before. Where have I seen that before? This one's a little harder, a little more tricky. There's different designs for this, I think. You're able to adjust the middle there, right? Like you're able to. It moves. Yeah. It, it moves, moves right? in a circular fashion. Okay. Oh, is okay. Um, and it produces something that your ears can hear. Produces, Usually sounds good. Produces something that your ears can yes. hear. Yes. Yeah, it's the I, key it like a, component to allow this to work. Uh, key. Key components to allow this to work. A record player. Record player! <laughs> yes, thank oh, you, Arturo. Goodness. Give it up for Arturo Don Juan. Thank you for participating. Yeah. Awesome. You can bring that with you. All right. What in the world does that have to do with the Apostles' Creed? Let me tell you. These items were all the key crucial components to larger items that needed those, those items to function, to make it work properly, to enjoy it. To do that. So what I feel like today in week four of the Apostles' Creed is that we're dealing with the key crucial component of the creed that makes it makes all sense, that makes the gospel make sense, that makes this book we call the Bible make sense. So that's the tie-in there. We're looking at this key crucial component of the creed. So quickly, I just want to go through week four at this part of the creed, this section we're looking at, and just go through each line and give some uh, give some 
information about it, give some observations that I see here, and then we're going to get to the Scripture. Because as we've been talking about, the Apostles' Creed is a sound theological doctrinal statement that we use to summarize and tell others what we believe, and that's what they used it for. And, but it's all based on the Bible. It's all rooted in the Scripture. So I want to get to this awesome portion of Scripture. But I just want to point out some observations. So why is Pontius Pilate in here? Why did they throw that in this Apostles' Creed? Well, I think it's a couple things. And I think there's a, a couple references. It's a historical reference. So it shows where it happened in time. And it has a real person, Pontius Pilate, real person in time. And they know where he was at. And so this ties in the fact that Jesus was a real person and he was there at that time. So he's the historical reference. He also helps with a chronological reference. So when in time did this happen? When in time was Jesus? And we can look at Pontius Pilate knowing that he was a political figure of the Roman Empire. And we can find the dates for when Pontius Pilate was ruling. And he's the governing authoritative reference here. Because he was the, the governor over Judea in Israel on behalf of the Roman Empire. And so he was to oversee that area. So at that time, the Romans were ruling the area. And so that gave a link to the governing authoritative reference. So those, I think, are some observations of why they got Pontius Pilate in here in regards to Jesus and Passion Week. He was crucified, died, and buried. Jesus was really crucified. He really died, and he really was buried. And he was crucified on a cross. And the cross and crucifixion was the, the mode of operations for the Roman Empire. That was their form of punishment, and they got really good at it. So when they wanted somebody to, to die on behalf of the crimes they committed or the things that they did wrong that the government deemed that they needed to pay for and die for, they went to crucifixion. And they got really good at it. They were really professional. They were professional killers through crucifixion. Now, in regards to the crucifixion and Jesus being crucified and the whole ordeal that the Romans would put people through, it's described and said that it produced so much pain that they had to invent a new word to describe it. They couldn't adequately describe what it was like to be crucified on a cross to death. And so they came up with a new word, and what we have translated in English is the word excruciating. So the word excruciating that you've probably used this year and hopefully you don't use to describe this message today. But it, lit it came out of the fact that it literally means, we can go to that slide, it literally means out of the cross. So this word we have in English, excruciating, came out of this idea that we can't describe it good enough with the words that we have. So we need to come up with a new one to describe crucifixion. Jesus physically died to, due to the initial extreme torture that he endured before the crucifixion. And then carrying his cross up to Golgotha was crucified, leading to asphyxiation and or cardiac arrest. Jesus died. And because he was dead, they needed to bury him upon that death. And in the Jewish culture, it was coming up on the Sabbath that evening, and so they had to hurry up and get him buried and through the burial process and into the tomb as the Jews did. Now let's look at he descended into hell. And you may have been thinking about this this last couple of weeks, and I want us to, to just think objectively. I want us to not give more, more merit or assumption that it is needed. I want us to remember that this was not written in English. This was not originally in the English language. Remember, we're going back to uh, the, some of the earliest ones, copies we have were 
use of the Apostles' Creed around 200 A.D. And so the way that we just throw that out, that word out there in that location, uh, usually has the full force of when we say hell or going to hell or the location of hell, we usually put all the force of the place of eternal separation from God, uh, um, weeping and gnashing of teeth, the place of punishment and burning in, in the fire of hell because of our sins and because we didn't turn and give our life to Jesus. So I want to just point out first that what we think and what we understand this phrase to be, he descended to hell, does not mean that Jesus suffered in hell's flames. He was not subject to the punishment of sin and he was sent to that location of sin because he was without sin. Jesus was without sin, therefore the, the place of eternal separation from God was not a place he was going and it was not because of his sin and it was not to be the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth that he was to be sent to to stay in. Let me give you a, a couple quotes from people who can say it much better than I can. Norman Erickson says, The significance of this is that the New Testament does not identify Hades as the place where Christ was punished for our sins. Rather, it is the crucifixion which the disciples actually saw and experienced in all of its horror that is developed in sacrificial language as the divine punishment and saving event. So again, it's, it's crucifixion, him dying on the cross that is the punishment for our sins, not sending him to hell or the place of eternal separation from God. Or Matthew Emerson puts it this way, Jesus experienced death as all humans do. His body was buried and his soul departed to the place of the dead. And in so doing, by virtue of his divinity, he defeated death and the grave. And the Gospel Coalition goes on to say the descent into Hades is rather a part of Christ's full identification with us, as well as the means by which he conquered death and became the firstborn from among the dead. The Gospel Coalition sums it up with this. Jesus doesn't simply know what it's like to die. He knows what it's like to be dead. So we believe that Jesus hung on the cross, that he really died, that he experienced death as we will in a human death. So he died and went to the place where the dead go, but he didn't stay there. If I can just put it plainly, it's like Jesus was on the cross and he, and he died. And so after death, he goes to hell or to Hades and he says, hey, I am victorious. I have died, but I'm going to go back and be raised to life by God the Father. And so I'm going to come down. I'm going to grab the keys that are rightfully mine to hold and acquire. I'm going to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And he said, peace or deuces. Is that afraid? Like, out, I'm out. And God the Father raised him from the dead three days later. So he triumphs over the grave. He descended to hell. Now, if you have uh, any further questions or clarification that you need, you can go ahead and send an email to Stephen at zaychurch.com. That's Stephen with a PH. Or you can call 1-800-ASK-PASTOR-STEVE if you have any more questions there. But that's not the emphasis, I don't think, of this section, and it's not the emphasis of the message today. Although important to understand and investigate, and then the end part, the third day he rose again from the dead. God raised fully dead Jesus back to life. Jesus defeated death and the grave. And that's an opportunity for us to celebrate that Jesus is alive and well and active for us today. So as I mentioned, the Apostles' Creed, it's derived 
from the Bible. It's derived from the Scripture. The reason why there is Apostles' Creed is because they wanted to be able to explain what they believe and according to the Word of God. So we're going to turn to a cool portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you got your Bibles, you can turn there. If you got your digital Bible, or if you got, you got it memorized, then you'll know where we're at. Starting in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it'll also be on the screens. So this is Paul speaking and speaking to the church in Corinth, the Corinthians. And he wants to help them understand some of the things that Paul believes and the church believes and that they should be believing. And so he's going to clarify some things. He says, now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. That's Jesus. Which you received on and which you have taken your stand. By the gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, they had died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So this sounds a lot like the Apostles' Creed right here, what Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, the church there, the people of God there. And what's really cool about this is many scholars refer to this portion of 1 Corinthians where Paul is talking as a creed, as a form of a creed that Paul is bringing before them, and it's coming right from Paul. And the gospel accounts of Passion Week, that's Jesus' Last Supper and then his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection, those are all backed up and corroborated what Paul is saying here. And Paul received this account straight from Jesus. He tells the, the church in Galatia, he said, hey, I didn't receive this from any man. I didn't receive this from just a person. I received what I'm telling you straight from Jesus Christ. I had an encounter with the real Jesus where he gave me this commission to go and change my life from killing and persecuting Christians to telling all the world about Christians and about Jesus and about the gospel. And what's cool about this part and that it sounds like a creed and that they look at it like a creed coming from Paul is that this, him writing to the churches was written down prior to the gospels. Now, Jesus, the gospel message itself happened just before Paul Jesus going to death on the crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection. And within a couple years after that is when Paul had his conversion. But the gospel records were written down and recorded in writing after Paul's letters were having been circulated. So we get this awesome picture of, of Paul spreading the gospel and speaking these truths that we find in the Apostles' Creed in this section very early on at the beginning of the start of the church, which is awesome. He also said to the church in Thessalonica, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So he continued to speak these truths, to speak what he believed and what the church was to believe, and what we say we believe in the Apostles' Creed. He was circulating that throughout the churches that were the first century churches and the ones that he was establishing as well under the name of Jesus Christ. So Paul emphasized the reality and the power of the crucifixion and resurrection to all of the first churches. 
So I want to give you the lifeline this morning. The lifeline is that key, that key phrase or idea that I feel that God is speaking to us in the message that we can hold on to, the truth that we can hold on to that kind of summarizes it all and, and helps us just capsulate that and say, hey, man, this is going to bring me life change, what I want to bring life change. And the lifeline today is that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the creed. The message of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the Apostles' Creed, but it goes beyond that. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of Christianity. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the entire message of the Bible. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone for you and for me today. I want to look at, uh, in Acts chapter 4, the disciple Peter. And shortly after Jesus' ascension to heaven, and then shortly after we have the upper room, and then they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they're telling people about Jesus in Jerusalem and that area. And, and Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can see the change that happens in him from afraid and, and running from Jesus and denying him to full force proclaiming and preaching the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they had healed a crippled man. And the religious leaders in, in Jerusalem were coming at him. So then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Acts chapter 4, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures. He's talking about Old Testament. He's pulling this out of the book of Psalms. Where it says, the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone of the creed of Christianity. And for you and me, and I want to illustrate it, the cornerstone this way. And many of you probably understand what a cornerstone is, but I want to illustrate it. And you probably know where I'm going to go with this. But Jesus is the cornerstone. And it, building something requires structural in integrity. And if you know me, I say it all the time that I am not an engineer of any kind of structure or computer. Although I recently discovered I might be a gospel engineer, though. Maybe that's what I am. But I, I, don't, I don't fix things. I don't build things. It's just, it's not me. Ask anybody. It's, it's awful. But clearly, um, I can put together this little tower. Now, I can put this together and leave it. Not perfect. It's got some shifting that's the right word. But this won't move unless some extreme force comes against it. We can leave today and it will be here all day. We can come back tomorrow. Most likely this will be standing except for maybe another one of those weird earthquakes that happens around here. It's going to stay there, right? Why? Because there is a cornerstone. There is a key crucial component that holds it together, that allows it to be secure, that allows it to function, that gives it structure and stability. But what happens when you move? Remove the cornerstone. If the cornerstone is not there, what's going to happen? And I'm sure you know what's going to happen if I remove the cornerstone. Do you have a moment? Dramatic pause for effect. As soon as the cornerstone is removed, it falls apart. And continues to fall apart. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the creed. He is the cornerstone of Christianity. He is the cornerstone of the gospel of the word of God itself. The cornerstone of God's entire plan to redeem us, to bring us back in relationship with him. 
Therefore, he needs to be the cornerstone for you and for me in our life. I want to go again in 1 Corinthians, this next portion that Paul points out, speaking directly of the resurrection of Jesus, because it hinges on his resurrection. So back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting now in verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised, if there is no resurrection of any kind. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But, but, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in in Christ all will be made alive. Because Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. He was not kept in the grave, but he is resurrected. So this morning, church... We look at Jesus and he needed to be crucified and he needed to die and he needed to be buried. But for this all to work, for our faith to mean anything, he needed to be resurrected. Because he is the cornerstone of the creed and of our faith. And Jesus indeed has been resurrected and is alive and well. Because without resurrection, there's simply no reason for our faith. There's no reason for us to gather here. There's no reason for the Apostles' Creed. There's no reason for us to continue to believe in this book, in the Word of God, if the key component, that crucial component, isn't true. That Jesus wasn't resurrected. That he's not the cornerstone. Gerald O'Collins put it this way in the book, The Case for Christ. In a profound sense, Christianity without the resurrection is not simply Christianity, Without its final chapter, it's not Christianity at all. Without his resurrection, this really isn't anything. Without his resurrection, it all falls apart, everything. Just like this video. See, if we remove resurrection from the picture, if we remove Jesus as the resurrected Christ, if we remove him as the cornerstone from anything, from our lives, from what we say we believe, from the word of God, from our experience, if we remove that, it all comes crashing down. Nothing works, nothing holds together, nothing stays true. It all has to be built and hinged upon Jesus as the cornerstone. 
And according to our creed, we believe that Jesus really lived, that he really was crucified, that he really was buried, that he really was raised to life, that he really was resurrected. And there's so much that we can say about this portion of the creed in regards to this Passion Week of Christ and according to the word of God and the gospels and the New Testament writings to the churches about his crucifixion, about his death on the cross, about his burial in the tomb, about his resurrection. So much that we could touch on that. But I just want to throw out two facts for you, two probability statements to kind of maybe pique your interest to discover and delve into this more. Just to say, what does this mean to believe all of these things, and what does it mean to believe that Jesus is the resurrected Christ, the one that died and took the penalty for our sin, but is not still dead, is alive. So check this out, because Jesus fulfilled every prophecy concerning the Messiah. Everything that needed to be fulfilled that was said about the coming Savior was fulfilled in Jesus. So look at this. The probability of just eight prophecies being fulfilled, just eight Number eight, is one chance in 100 million billion. That number is millions of times greater than the total number of people who've ever walked the planet. Let's bump it up. The probability of fulfilling 48 prophecies, and there's at least 48 major prophecies, was one chance in a trillion, 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 13 trillions. And Jesus fulfilled them. There are over 300 of these prophecies or fulfillments that Jesus made in his life and then will when he comes again. Jesus is the Christ, the resurrected Savior, and he is the cornerstone of our creed, the cornerstone of Christianity, the cornerstone of our life. He says of himself in Revelation, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. He is alive. He must be our cornerstone. He's still alive and active. So I want that to be a reminder. Maybe you're hearing this for the first time, saying, I've never seen it that way. I've never realized, or I've never, I've never fully accepted that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, that he was raised to life from death, that he was resurrected. I've had a hard time with that. Let me encourage you, you can investigate and see that it is true, that he not only was resurrected to life, but he's still living. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he still continues to speak and move in our lives today. But I just want to point out something, because many of us are what we call seasoned Christians, or long-time Christians, or Christians who have walked with the Lord for a long time. And I want to tell you that I can be guilty of this just as much. A pastor's kid growing up in a pastor's home, living out, as, as Pastor Steve mentioned at the week one, we didn't, we didn't recite this every week. But I'm telling you, well, we lived this in our home. We didn't recite the creed, but we lived it. It was modeled before me by my parents and by people in our church, and that's what we believed. And we didn't formulate it like the creed, but we, we lived it and we let people know what that was. But... Let me encourage you that as we go through this, it can be easy to want to take our life and say, ah, I know, I believe that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the gospel of Christianity, 
of the word of God, of life. And I know that he needs to be the cornerstone in all of my life, in every part of my life. But sometimes we have the tendency to do this. And we say, but for the time being, I'll be the cornerstone. I, I feel like I can fulfill that void, that key crucial component. I know it's supposed to be Jesus, but for now or for this part of my life, I'm going to entertain that cornerstone piece. But we can't stay here. And we can't hold this up forever. And I'm going to be real hungry by about 3 or 4 o'clock if I try to stay here and hold this up, let alone tomorrow. And I get hangry. Ask Lisa, my wife. I get hangry. So I can't hold this up. So I, I encourage you. You may have heard this kind of a message dozens of times, maybe hundreds in some fashion. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And you might even be encouraged and be like, yeah, I know that and that's great. But can we look at ourselves? Can we evaluate and say, hmm, I say that. I would tell somebody I believe that. But am right now in this moment, am I trying to be a cornerstone in some area of my life that as soon as I remove it, it's going to fall down? Let me encourage you and remind you today as we let this creed solidify in our hearts four weeks in to say, ah, I got to get back to Jesus. I got to get back to the resurrected Christ, the Savior of my soul, to be the cornerstone in my life. So can we take an opportunity to respond? If I can ask, if you're able, stand with me today. And I have two questions I want you to think about as we move into this, and I want to give an opportunity for you to respond if you need Jesus in your life. Think about these things. How does resurrection change you? How does the simple fact that Jesus was resurrected and alive today, how does that affect you right now? How does that change your perspective? And knowing which Pastor Steve is going to talk about in a couple weeks, the final resurrection where Jesus comes and he takes us how does that change your life? How does that change what you've gone through? Your experiences, highs and lows of life, good things and bad things. Jesus, the cornerstone, the resurrected one, the resurrected Savior should change your outlook on life. And I'm not saying you're perfect at it. I'm not. But I'm telling you, this is something that kind of without processing it this way, but this is something that got me through when my mom passed away ten and a half years ago. The fact that Jesus resurrected, the fact that he is a savior, the fact that he is who he says he is, the fact that knowing because of his resurrection that, that he paid the penalty for my mom and that she is experiencing him. What does resurrection do for you? How does it change your life right now? And the second question, is Jesus really the cornerstone of your life? Is there a part of it that he's not the cornerstone that he needs to be? And my encouragement is, often is, is that you don't leave this place without taking an opportunity to evaluate and reflect on yourself, on your life, and say, man, is there something I need to do? Or is it simply just saying, man, i got to remember right now today, all that's going on in my life, i got to remember, Jesus, you are the resurrected Christ. And you got to be the cornerstone of my life. And I just got to remind myself of that. So if you just take a moment as we are going to go into a time to reflect and to praise and to worship and just get your heart and posture in that place before we leave today. If you would just take a moment before the Lord and that might be needing to close your eyes and just 
have that moment with him. But I want to give an encouragement that if anybody in here is saying, man, I've never even, I've never asked this resurrected Christ to come into my life. I've never experienced him as the cornerstone in anything in my life. But I want to experience that today. And you're saying, man, that's stirring in my heart, that's stirring in my life, and so I want to make that proclamation. I would encourage you that if that is happening inside of you, that you would make an outward expression of that by repeating a simple prayer after me, but first raising your hand saying, yeah, I need Jesus in my life. I need to ask Jesus to come in, the resurrected one who took the penalty for my sin, died for me. I need him to come into my life and be the cornerstone of my life. I want to ask Jesus to come into my life. Does anybody want to do that today? Anybody? You can just put your hand up and you can put it down. Just an outward proclamation. And church, we're going to say this simple prayer together, and there might be somebody online, there might be somebody watching that we can't see that's saying, yeah, I need Jesus in my life. I need to ask him to come into my life. Church, would you just repeat this simple prayer of asking Jesus to come into my life as we say that together as a reminder and also encouragement to those who might be praying this prayer for the first time. So would you say this with me, church? Jesus, I give you my life. And I receive your life that saves me. Amen. It's the best decision you can make and the best reminder we can have today. So if you would, would you join me as we just worship and praise God and take that moment, take a moment, don't leave without having a time to reflect and say, man, am I, am I in the right place? Is Jesus really that cornerstone in my life? Let's worship together, church.